As you can kind of guess, because you got the download into your podcatcher app of choice, this podcast isn't dead. I'm not going to let it die, but it has been a while. I recognize that. So I've got quite a bit to inform you of, get you up to speed, and then we can get into the episode 16. Oh, where do we start? I'll try to be brief. So I've actually made some bullet points, and I'm just going to go off the bullet points that I have uh, written. Very quickly then, because I've got 12 of them. I went travelling last year in 2017 to five countries, and I'm making YouTube videos at the moment about those adventures. And that takes up a lot of time when it comes to editing. I'm over halfway, so the end is in sight. The light is at the end of the tunnel. I'm getting there. And when I do, then there'll be some more regular episodes as we move forward. I have let everything else fall by the wayside. I haven't even done any JPG podcast episodes either. There's just nothing else that I've tried to focus on other than getting the YouTube channel up to speed. I haven't done many Periscopes either. Uh, It's just been YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. I did, though, do a website update. And back in January, I moved both podcasts to my own site. Previously, I was hosting them on Libsyn. Nothing wrong with the service, except for the fact that they charged me a fee for each time, for each podcast, whereas I wanted them to like bundle the transaction into one transaction, and that wasn't the case. But anyway, they can't do that. Having moved the podcasts over, I actually saved myself $120 a year, which is pretty sweet uh, because it's on my Squarespace website. So yay, Squarespace, for supporting podcasts. So if you didn't get the download notification for a while, that's because those podcast links are dead and you have to resubscribe. And by resubscribing, you're actually getting it from a different feed, like I say, from my website and not from Libsyn. I also had a problem with Patreon. There was a whole drama with them charging fees to the donators, the Patreons. And I actually told all my Patreons to pull out of that because they would get charged more per month. And uh, that was not fair. And then Patreon decided to change back to their normal payment scale after about a year of air quotes deliberating on this new system and it's been a bit of a farce but anyway i still use patreon unofficially and maybe with time when i trust them again i'll bring it back but at the moment i'm using something called ko-fi ko-fi.com and basically it's just a tipping service but you just tip whenever you want there's no monthly sort of um you don't have to keep it ongoing. You can just tip for the month with Ko-Fi or tip for the week or just tip whenever you want. And for me, I think it's less hassle for you. And if you know what, if I didn't produce X amount of content or however you measure these things in a particular month, then you don't feel like you've wasted the $6 or whatever on that particular month. This way might be a little bit fair in a sort of performance ratio aspect. Like, oh, okay, you made a podcast, you did a couple of periscopes, and you made a YouTube. Okay, I'll donate $3 uh, this month. You know what I mean? It's also less stress for me because I feel like I'm taking your money. And I'm not because you're willingly donating it to me. But I'm really honest with myself um, very critically. And I feel like I'm not giving you value for money. So it's a win-win really for you and for me. Okay, let's look a little bit forward. I have about three or four episodes to edit. So probably in the next two weeks, you're going to get a load of updates with the backlog of audio podcasts that I want to make. And then it might go back to a regular once a month upload as I find new people for the podcast and introduce them to you. That's the short-term goal and then the long-term goal. I also had a feeling about this whole idea of Hello from Hong Kong because I want 
you to meet people who live in Hong Kong. But then I had this idea that it can be about me traveling from Hong Kong. So maybe in the future, as I travel and I try to meet new people, they won't necessarily be all from Hong Kong. It's about me trying to bring my perspective of Hong Kong to them. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I definitely don't want to like interview tourists here in Hong Kong. I know there's a weird philosophy. I'm holding myself to some rules and it's like, why? No one really cares, Jonathan. There we are. <laughs> okay. The next episode with somebody from Hong Kong will be Nate Wong again. He was in an earlier episode and he actually has left Hong Kong to study at Harvard. I think it was. It's been a while since we actually spoke, but he now studies back in America and I wanted to do a quick catch up with him. And that will also be a, a new episode coming out shortly. And then when we get back onto our regular schedule, the next guest, because I've already got them lined up, is a young lady who's a vegan and she makes household items from packaging that has been thrown away. Uh, for example, she makes notebooks using paper that she makes herself and then the cover of the notebook is actually made from milk carton uh, packaging which i really like because when she introduced them to me because i've already met her the packaging is waterproof for example so maybe with some modifications there's uh, there's like a usp if she wanted to sell that uh to more people and give them a reason to buy hers over a normal notebook but she will be probably episode 20 it's, it's further down the line but she will be the first regular uh, podcast that I aim to uh, get out once the bag lock's done. Right. Uh, I think that's okay with the housekeeping. I've tried to rush it uh, because I've been talking for like six minutes now and you want to get to the main uh, main event. It's Gregory Rivers. We're back. Now, he was in episode 13. That sounds like recently. That sounds recent. Yeah, is that, yeah. It, it was a while ago, really, in real life because I last met him in 2016. It's now 2018. And I haven't done a lot of episodes. So 13, 16, it's like, what already? But it hasn't been, actually. It's been nearly a year and a half. So we meet up again, myself and Gregory, and we have a quick recap as to who he is and what he does. And then we get talking about how he learned Cantonese. We also talk about his life after TVB because he's not working for them anymore. We also talk a little bit about Hong Kong and what it's like to do online shopping here. It's a bit backward, considering... And then we also talk a little bit about Gregory's home country, Australia, and Australia's big things. And then we get into a sensitive topic of cultural appropriation, which is mostly like something that's happening in America. There's a big issue in America, uh, but slowly it's it's seeping into Asian. And when I say Asian culture, I mean Chinese culture, because there isn't enough uh, Asian representation in uh, mainstream Hollywood movies. And then our last topic is actually... Uh, the difficulty in promoting oneself. I really enjoyed this. Sorry for the super long introduction, uh, but I wanted to get everybody up to speed in case you don't follow me on Periscope or you don't follow me on YouTube. Of course you should, please. And uh, anyway, hope you enjoyed this one. I did. Thank you for listening. Uh, Bowles is back. Do you remember Bowles? No, guy... it was a long time ago. Okay, he was the man, and I have to apologize to you now in front of everybody. This, because okay, I have to this is so for, embarrassing. All right. Atone for one of my sins. Because when you said you were from Gympie, and I just said, oh, Bowles will know, and you said, no, he won't. It was either 50-50. <laughs> yeah. And he, and I, we never talked about it, but he could have lied. And when I watched the video of the first version, it's like, it's unnecessary. It was unnecessary for me to say, oh, Bowles will know, because I had no basis with which to say that. So, yeah, I apologize. Gympie uh, is pretty famous, though. It's really strange. 
it's you know, 20,000 people, a really small country town, and a lot of people know about it. One of your prime ministers uh, comes from Gympie. Don't think so. Uh, I was doing research on Gympie. I, I was again, I'm atoning for my sins. I wanted to know more about this little little place. You should sin more. And uh, <laughs> there is a Australian president at the beginning of the 19th century. Oh, okay. And supposedly he hails from there. There's some uh, Paralympics as well from Gympie. There's all sorts. It's like, whoa. And, and you're on now, obviously, on Wikipedia. Oh, am I? Yeah, the Wikipedia listing. I've never checked. All right. Most of the time, I'm an actor. So I've been here for 30 years. Arrived in 87. And came over to be a canto pop singer. And that didn't really happen, but um, ended up in acting instead. So I, uh, Hong Kong has used to have one major traditional television station, or they still do, um, called TVB. And they had a TV series back in 98, and they were looking for an extra Caucasian to act in their series, because they already had one Caucasian working at TVB, and they needed one more. And a friend of mine saw a poster and told me about it, and I was really... Uh, apprehensive about it because I had no acting experience but I went and saw them and after almost losing the role totally because I was too nervous to say anything um, eventually got the role and then it just turned into 20 years straight at um, TVB and I left TVB about nine years ago <clears throat> and that was another taking another big chance again because I the, the thing was at TVB I knew that if I stayed there I was going to become the old person, you know, the one who gets really old and is supporting roles and and he's stable and steady, but he's never going to go very far. Okay. Um, because they weren't going to put money into promoting a Caucasian actor. And the other choice was to leave and see what happens outside, so I decided to leave. I'm a bit of a gambler, I guess. You, you've done some movies. I've done a few movies, yeah. Um, but in terms of, you know, important roles, you... you you're still a Caucasian in 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 a Chinese in, in a Hong Kong Chinese market, mm. and it's really really almost impossible to be getting a a major role, you know, unless you're already super famous. Oh, I was I was um, when I thought of movies, I haven't. I was looking at the animated movies where then your identity, your physical identity, doesn't matter so much. I've done one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I did one of those last year. It was yeah. It's not on your Wikipedia page. They haven't updated it. <laughs> whoever's factually in, whoever's making the factual errors I don't know, is, is also not updating your Wikipedia page is there something wrong with, with, with a person updating his own Wikipedia page <laughs> I mean you can make corrections if something is really really wrong but to be trying I don't know maybe it is it's like a virtual resume isn't it yeah um, and th but they'll never check who's actually doing the updating they'll, they'll assume it's true unless somebody <laughs> comes back and says, no, it's not true. On, on Gregory's Wikipedia page, it says that he discovered America in Hong Kong. And we talked about his last time, and it still says that. They haven't changed it. So clearly... So clearly Wikipedia is very accurate. Yes, and whoever's yes. watched my YouTube video hasn't been one of those viewers who also updates your Wikipedia page. Right. So they haven't made the correction. <clears throat> I was at university, the University of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia, and I was studying medicine. And I discovered Canto Pop, and it was my thing. So um, I started learning the language from the Canto Pop. Uh, one of the things with Chinese albums and, and records is that they actually come with the lyrics in the packet. 
And this is, you know, this is even 40, uh, 30 years ago. It was the same. So I would be listening to the songs on loop cassette tape in those days. So it was pretty bad on the cassettes. Um, looping continuously and reading the lyrics. And then um, I bought a course from Linguaphone and it was really, really bad. And, and I came with a friend to Hong Kong for about four or five days back in, I guess back in 86. And I uh, discovered another course. Um, by some, I think it was by Lao, it was basic Cantonese in 100 hours. And that was top notch, that was really good. So you learned it in 100 hours? I don't know. Um, I'm still learning. Mm. I mean, frankly, it's not an easy language, mm. and I'm still, le- I mean, it depends on how much, you know, how, how, how well you want to speak the language. And if Do you, you write want to speak it as well? I type it. Okay. Typing is easier than writing because I can type in uh, Mandarin Pinyin. And it's very quick, right? But to actually write it takes a lot more effort. Mm-hmm. I should practice. Yeah. A bit lazy. I have a partner, um, and she does a weekly periscope about doing calligraphy and writing oh. because she forgets because she types mm-hmm. it to her friends all in Chinese uh, to English. Yeah. So she loses. She feels she's losing that skill of writing. A lot of Chinese mm-hmm. are forgetting how to write Chinese because they just type it. The Chinese or they Hong dictate. Kong. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so. Um, People, I mean, my wife's uncle, he has amazing Chinese, just normal writing, not calligraphy. It's just amazing because he keeps a diary. So every single day he's writing a few pages, you know, in his diary. So his Chinese is amazing. Um, but a lot of young people are just typing into a telephone and, or dictating. And so they're forgetting how, even if you're actually writing the characters on the phone, it's a little bit messy. You're not really trying mm-hmm. to be nice, right? You're trying to be quick. And so a lot of these people now, if, you, if they start writing an essay or something, it looks really, really bad. It looks like a primary school student still learning how to write Chinese. Do you think that's like an unintended consequence of these smartphones? Yeah, it's going to get worse because everybody's dictating or they're recording, uh, recording audios in WhatsApp and, you know, and people don't need to type anything anymore. And that's because, so do you think Chinese is going to suffer more so than, say, Romanized languages because of the, uh, the pictorial... Over time, traditional Chinese might lose ground to simplified Chinese, not because the Chinese government wants that like that, but maybe because if you forget how to write the character, you're going to go back to the simplified version over time. For those that don't know, simplified Chinese and traditional Chinese are very different. Um, Only for the most common characters. So the non-common characters only exist in traditional form. So I think there are about 3,000 um, simplified characters. Okay. I'm not sure about the number, but it's not a lot. And they're the common characters that people use all the time. Okay. So, so we go back to the original question. So I was singing these songs, and then I got the course. Um, and then the next step was when I came to Hong Kong, I started working at TVB. And from day one, my scripts have all been in Chinese with no transliteration, um, nobody recording the dialogue for me. Um, so, was that? Because I didn't want to get lazy. They didn't want to get lazy. I didn't want oh, to get lazy. Want to get lazy. Okay. So, you know, from if I'm holding a script and I, I, there's a character I don't recognize, I'll have a look in the dictionary or ask a friend, but I won't write it down. I'll force myself to remember it. And I was young in those days, so my memory was pretty good. Okay. More time as well. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you say you have more time? Maybe not. Um, once I got into TVB and they signed me up on a contract, I, I used to have a tutoring job, tutoring English, 
and the tutoring center said, uh, nah, we can't work around your random TVB schedule. Um, so yeah, maybe I did have more time. No, there's no regulars. There's no regulars. Not for me anyway. Okay. Um, I have a couple of friends that, you know, you could say we grew up together at TVB. So there's, um, what's his name in English? Um, but there's one guy called Lam Gadong. Um, he actually, you know, you know him. <laughs> he he actually picked up the um, the award last year at the Hong Kong Movie um, Hong Kong Movie Awards. He was the best supporting actor or the best actor, leading actor. I can't remember what, what, which one right. it was. So it was really cool. But he's been working hard for about thirty years. I mean, this guy really works hard. Okay, uh, he never stops. He's one of those people you were talking about before. They he writes, produces. Okay. Um, he can do the whole production from beginning to end. A movie, not just TV, but a movie. And he's he's really careful about what he does. He's, if the product's not going to look too amazing, you know, or too good when it's in its final form, he's not going to do it. Recuperating. I was pretty sick last week. Okay. Um, back in September and October, I was just too busy. And what I was, and some I don't know. I have a reaction to. Um, pressure where I should sleep, but the reaction to pressure is to not sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so can you can relate to It's a really bad reaction. So um, I was averaging three to four hours sleep a night for about a month, and then I uh, got really sick last week, and now I've got to reset my body and get back to a better form. So at the moment, it's just the occasional singing jig. Gig. Because you're also a singer. Because I'm... Okay, yeah, I guess I could call myself a singer. <laughs> I'm not a pop star. I'm just a, you know, yeah, the occasional singer. Okay. I actually performed last night. So we did three songs. No, I did three songs last night. and um, In Cantonese or in English? No, no, in Cantonese. Well, two of them are in Cantonese. One of them is in Mandarin. And I, I was really happy because last week I had no voice at all. And then last night it was okay. It was pretty good. Okay. So the occasional... There, there is there is a project we're talking about coming up a um, stage play um, in Cantonese leading role. Um, we haven't confirmed it yet. Do you have to fight hard for roles? In if, if you if you're going to if you go to a new job, a new role, and you apply for it, do you have to fight hard for it, or is there still not many English-speaking Canto actors, Canto speakers? So I mean? there are maybe four, five, or six Caucasian. Cantonese speaking actors in Hong Kong and we're all friends um, and we're friends <laughs> we still are <laughs> the, the thing is that um, we're all different okay and so if we if two of us went for the same role um, and, and in Hong Kong this is not Hollywood so people don't actually go for roles most of the time it's the producer and the director who just think about oh, who are they going to choose and then they go out and find you um, so we don't actually have to go in for casting most of the time at this doesn't really happen but you know five or six of us and we're all different so there's never really any conflict so we're pretty good friends there's only a number of periscopers only a few live streamers still in hong kong and periscope has been here for like nearly well three years april next year and there's still only like seven eight of us who really periscope almost daily the mm. i think periscope is probably the non-asian market mm. Um, because now in Hong Kong, people are going to Maybor with instant with instant broadcasting, and then there's another app that does, you know, uh, uh, Yetikbor, um, 
and they have these instant broadcast things. And in China, they because the market's huge, and so if you can, if you know how to talk, and you you work on one of these once a week or twice a week, they they make a really nice living.、Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be using Periscope if they have access to the Chinese market. Good point.、Uh, we were talking before about. Twitter accounts and Gregory has a Twitter Twitter account, but he doesn't. But you would know it. I don't. You haven't used it for ages because it's it's, <laughs> it's so American focused. It's American, yeah. yeah. Twitter pulled out of Hong Kong last year. Not that anyone knew they were here. I didn't know they were here. You did? No,、oh, I didn't.、Oh, okay, they they moved、uh, to Singapore.、Oh. Even though we were Singapore makes sense. Even though at the time we were trying to like push and say, listen, there's an Asian interest in Periscope and Twitter. They, when they had to cut their budget, they just closed the offices and shut. Well, the yeah, real estate here. We、mm. talked about this last time, but、mm. it's it's worse than it was last time. And we apparently we're the most expensive city in the world.、Mm-hmm. And the、um, tourists come to Hong Kong, they see all these amazing buildings and office buildings, and they go, "Oh, it's such a such a really rich,、um, prosperous city." But you know, more than half the the residents here are <laughs> really poor and hidden somewhere else in the、um, government housing. Well, it was only last week the government.、Uh, there was a Hong Kong Free Press article. One in five people are poor.、Uh, yeah,、so、we're we're、line. really poor. Yeah. yeah, I'm serious. We're not joking.、Um, but you you got to imagine. I mean, if you've got a couple of really expensive Thai buildings, that's concentration of wealth. And if it's coming from somewhere, it's coming from the other people. Yeah.、Sure. I mean,、um, one of the main restaurant companies in Hong Kong, Mei、uh, Sum, Maxim. I mean, they were able to build their own. Office building from the profits they were making, and they now own between seven and fifteen different brands of、uh, of restaurants and、uh, cake shops and bakeries, and that wasn't them. And <laughs> so,、um, you know, if you can if you can create your own brands and you make it feel like there's competition when there actually isn't, and then you become friends. The the shopping malls in Hong Kong now are managed. Many of them are managed by the same one company,、yes. um, so、um, competition's not real here anymore. And because you think there is, like you think, oh, there's a park and shop and a Welcome and a 360, but they're owned by the same company. No, I know Welcome. No, 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 no. Welcome Singapore. Yeah, but yeah. you see the different, you see the different shops and businesses, and you think, oh, there's lots of competition, but they're not. You look closely, and they've got a plaque, and it says part of the holdings, or it's a Lee Ka Shing. With, with, with Park and Shop, what you got to do is just buy the same thing every time, and then you know what the price should be, and you go、yeah. in and you see this red label that says "on special," and you look at, wait a minute, that special price is more expensive than the regular、yeah. one.、Uh, but you have to know what the prices were traditionally to to know what the games they're playing. There was also、uh, an article I read where it was like how to avoid giving money to Li Kaching. Oh really? Next to impossible because he owns. A bit of this, a bit of that. A restaurant here, yeah, a restaurant chain there. Yeah, he's he you know? is slowly leaving Hong Kong. So you mean because he's so old, he's going to die? No, no, no. no. Oh, you mean financially? He's, he's selling his businesses and slowly moving away. But because the, the Chinese tycoons have so much money, then they really want to come in and buy up things, and they have the money to buy up things. And but super, but supermarkets are a pretty tough proposition. They don't make much money. The rents are high. And the profit margins are relatively low. It's a really hard business. The logistics are really difficult.、Mm. It's not a great. So you've now got the、uh, the online Hong Kong TV、um, supermarket mall. So they're starting to make inroads into the supermarket market. You didn't know about them, no? Probably because the name says Hong Kong TV.、Uh, And I don't because, watch TV. Yeah. 
Well, they're not TV. Oh, well. But they used to be. <clears throat> so they started out as Hong Kong TV. They were making soap operas, and then the government refused to give them a TV license. So after spending all this money on these TV soap operas, high-quality TV, so um, also episodics, um, then they had to give it up. And they used their expertise and their money and, and opened an online supermarket with home delivery. So, um, and because the way they're set up is that they don't have to keep stock. And so anybody who's a supplier can sign a contract with them and then they just redirect the orders to the suppliers and the suppliers send the product to the online supermarket when they get the orders. And so nobody's holding stock. Okay. And they're slowly making it, but the name is Hong Kong TV because they started out as TV. This is, this is just my idea, this is just my theory, but online businesses aren't big here because they don't need to, because they have some, a physical helper, someone who can help them do the shopping for them. So why would they need to spend online and just tap, tap, tap on the computer screen for their goods? When they I don't know, well, one of the problems that I have with park and shop is if you want to go in and get some junk food, the the range of junk food, the selection that they have is really limited and a lot of it is um, produced by companies in America blessed by the USDA and I don't like them. Because um, even these so-called health bars, you look at the ingredients, it's 35% sugar. How can a health bar be 35% sugar? But it's USDA blessed. Um, I only trust the American companies to make as much money as they can um, while not helping the consumer. So I'd really like to see more selection that wasn't USDA blessed okay. in the supermarkets, but it's pretty hard to come across. I mean, they have a lot of really great food in Australia and Europe, so why do you have to buy everything from America? It just The only reason they buy stuff from America is because it's cheaper. It's cheaper because the quality's not there. Yeah. They use food science to trick you into thinking that it's delicious or... Temp uh, or um, uh, you know, I, I lose my English sometimes, or addictive. Um, have you seen the? Have you been to 360? Uh, a, a, it's it's a slightly higher class yeah. supermarket. Yeah. But when you go there and buy junk food, the claims that they make on these products that you've just mentioned, they actually stick it over with American flags because they don't pass the Hong Kong uh, food uh, uh, standards. Standards, yeah. So they have to they have to get rid of them, black them out with marker or something. So I just sit there and. The, the, the sugar problem is a really big problem in, in developing countries especially. The kids are growing up drinking soft drink and it's full of sugar and, and sugar is, I, I might be wrong, but I, I heard somebody tell me that sugar is actually nine times as addictive as opium. I heard something about that. Um, or it's just so as you, addictive. But it's just a legal addictive drug. Um, and you've got kids who are growing up on soft drinks and even the breads in Hong Kong now a lot of the breads here at the bakeries have sugar in them. Yep. But when I was a kid, the only sugar in the bread was put in there for the yeast to feed on so it could make the bread expand while mm. it was being cooked. So that's, a, that's maybe one, maximum two teaspoons of sugar in a loaf of bread. It never tasted sweet because the yeast absorbed it all before you actually baked okay. it. But now in Hong Kong, a lot of the bread is sweet. Um, it's, it's, it's an addiction trend. If you have two bakeries and one's making addictive bread and the other one's not, then it's very, very possible that the addictive bread bakery is going to make more money than the non-addictive one. Mm -hmm. And if they put sugar into their breads, it's, it's cheaper to make. I want to pick up on what Frank was saying. Frank was saying that on, uh, going online takes time. Uh, I think he was referring to the industry. But here, why is 
online service is not as successful because if I go to Fortress online, it'll show you the product, but you can't order it and they don't give you a price. The last yeah, time I checked. but we don't need Fortress online. See, Fortress is leakashing, but that's not that's not the reason. Right. Um, I don't know how these electrical appliance companies make a living, especially the retail spaces in Hong Kong are super, super, super expensive, the rents. And the a lot of the contracts actually require that your profits are monitored by the landlord and they get a cut of your of your gross income, not your net profit. Okay. So it's really, really expensive. But in Hong Kong, we have price.com and we have a price.com app. So the last time I bought camera lenses, and the last time I bought, uh, I know it was a toaster oven or something else. I just went to price.com, put in the model I was looking for, and found a uh, vacuum cleaner, and, and found the cheapest place. And there's these a lot of retail stores working out of office buildings, and they don't have to open the door in a shopping mall to let you know, passers-by come in. And people just search them out on on price.com and they find the cheapest prices and go there. So Fortress, how's it going to make Fortress and these other companies? I mean, the old generation might go there because they don't know what apps are and they don't know what price.com is. But uh, the younger generation's not going to go there. It's a big difference in price. And Taobao? Yeah, I I I went shopping. I've been shopping at Taobao recently. I've, in the last four months, I've been there five times. You know the computer hard drives, and you got the. I don't buy the hard drives from from Taobao, but the uh, the enclosures, the cables. Okay. I had to. Um, I got a new iMac, but I have two um, eSATA drives, and the iMac doesn't have an eSATA connector. Okay. And so I was able to find the uh, the small converter on Taobao, and then the, so Taobao is really. Yeah, not good for the retail industry. But you, you can find almost anything on Taobao as long as you speak and read Chinese. I, I find it, it's impenetrable to me, so I need Raya. See, one of the things with the, with the Macintosh is that the, the, the earphone uh, jack on the back of the iPhone is actually hardware engineered that when you put a, a headphone jack in, um, the speakers turn off. Yeah. And there's no way around it, except there is. So you don't plug into that adapter, you get a USB 3.5 millimeter adapter, and so you use the USB ports instead of using the hardware, and then you can just use the internal speakers or the external speakers or the headphones, and you don't have to be messing around with cables. There you go. There you go. And then then my internet, I have cameras at home, um, but I'm very paranoid about bringing cameras without you know just trusting them outright so my cameras at home are on a separate LAN and they're connected to the iMac by a separate USB Ethernet adapter and they have no access to the internet <laughs> it's funny because you can actually see my, 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 my activity log actually shows these cameras um, pinging my computer trying to trying to get access to the internet okay so um, yeah I'm a bit of a geek all right like how well known are you in mainland China does any of that, like I say, the Hong Kong... A lot of them recognize me. They, they might not know my name, but they will recognize me. Um, so I said I was really, really busy in September and October. Sure. Um, in September, I had to go up to Shanghai, and one of the satellite TV stations, um, for the first time, made a National Day uh, celebration program. And the whole program, three episodes, uh, consisted of Caucasians singing Mandarin and Kennedy songs. 
And so there were about 60 of us, and a lot of them are very impressive. Their Mandarin and their singing, it was just incredible. And it was just really great to be in the, uh, you know, at rehearsals and listening to all these Caucasians sing amazing songs with amazing voice. I, was just, I, was, I love it when I'm with other people who really know what they're doing. It's just so incredible. I had goosebumps listening to these people sing. Um, and so my song was in Cantonese, and there was one other singer, he was in Cantonese too. Um, and when I got on stage, the, uh, the, the, five, the, five guests, the four guests who were talking to us and introducing us and whatever, and they go, yeah, I think I'd seen you before somewhere. <laughs> yep, TVB. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> so um, um, I was there and we, I, I sang my song and back here in Hong Kong on Facebook, just one of the pages that posted my song got 2.1 million hits. It was, uh, yeah, it was a big surprise, a bit of a shock. But um, even in, in, in China, a lot of people saw the show. And were, oh, I remember this guy. I grew up watching him on TV. Because okay. TVB used to be popular in, America, uh, in, in China. Before China had quality television programming, say 10 years ago, before that, it was, most of them were watching TVB. How, but how far did TVB span across China? Um, you remember the big earthquake in Sichuan? I'll ask. Uh, no. Oh, wow. Okay. So they had this massive earthquake up in Sichuan. And uh, this town is between these mountains. And so when the earthquake hit, the mountains collapsed down on the, on the town. Because you had torrential rain as well as the earthquake. And um, it literally buried the whole town. A lot of people died. And then there were the schools that were falling down with the earthquake because they weren't quality concrete they were concrete mixed up with uh, styrofoam um, and um, I went up there with a charity group uh, we were they were looking after kids who had been harmed by the earthquake so they lost legs they lost arms things like that and um, we were on a bus going from one town to another town in Sichuan and these people recognized me. So, you know, <laughs> Sichuan is, you know, it's a long, it's pretty, pretty inside China. So it's um, Lam Jing, they know who I am. Beijing, some of them know who I am. It's pretty cool. Well, I think TVB's treated me pretty well. Yeah. You know, within their business um, plan, they, I mean, the last five years I had good roles. They weren't leading roles, um, but the roles were, pretty good anyway and the thing that I mean like my friend Lam Gadong and, and you know a couple of us the thing that we always remember is that TVB was our training ground so 20 years at TVB you learnt massive amounts of things about acting about how the whole set works and how everybody works with each other and where the cameras are and um, and how to work for 14 hours in a day with, without complaining um, TVB is really, really important. Um, and, then, and then on top of that, we come out of TVB with all this knowledge and experience, but then there's already a market out there who knows who we are. So TVB is really important. Okay. John is asking, he's, he, he said, why aren't you as rich as you should be? Because this is Asia and we don't have um, residuals. Oh, okay. So in America, you make any movie or television series and you get residuals from the replays, from the DVDs. In Asia, we get nothing. Zero. <clears throat> so if TVB 
you know they do a series and it gets rebroadcast. You know they keep um, all the money. Re- they keep all the money. Oh. We get nothing. We get zero. Is that ever going to change? Probably not. There was over ten years ago. There was a group of actors here, um, the tier one actors, and they they got together and they were talking with Japan and a couple of other Asian countries, and they were talking about how what it would take to actually set up residuals for people in Hong Kong and Asia, and it would require a major rewrite of the laws. But the rich people control the laws, so yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, have you ever done Japanese adverts? No. Oh, okay. Would you like to? Like a weird, like a weird Japanese advert, just back home to Hong Kong or Australia and someone's going to go Greggy what was that advert about and then you could explain like well it's just for the Japanese market it's normal over there and you can just shrug it off I, I do strange <laughs> unusual things all the time so yeah that, that'll be okay and in front of it's a TV camera it's part of the experience you know is this in front of a TV camera are we talking something more personal no in, in front of a TV camera okay, okay. Uh, yeah work work wise I mean uh, so you were talking about the animated movie um, I had a major character that actually happened last year. That, that's that's why I got off topic and went to the award. Because after they gave me the award last year, I became very popular. And I was offered all this work that I hadn't been offered before that. Right. And one of them was an animated movie. Um, what's the name of it? I saw it after the scope, our previous scope chart, but I don't remember it. Was um, it a Disney um, movie? No, it wasn't Disney. So it was... It wasn't... It, it was... You know the the guy who got stranded on the um, on the island and he was there for a long time. Uh, Not Gilligan, the other one. Gulliver? No, no, no. Gulliver travels. No, 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 no. no. I don't know then. Um, yeah, you do, but I'm not describing it very well. Okay. <laughs> Friday. He has a, he has a helper named Friday. Maid or helper? <laughs> well, he's on an island, so I have no idea. What he had a. <clears throat> um, so I did this. Uh, I was actually lead, one of the lead roles in the animated movie, and the whole movie is is from the viewpoint of the animals. So they, they turn the story around instead of talking about um, this guy surviving on the island for how many years um, with his family. Um, Robinson, family Robinson. Okay, he's guessed it before the chat on Periscope helped. Um, okay. Yeah, um, but we there's a different name. So I was the guy, the human guy on this island amidst all these animals, and then. The, all the animals had their own voices, right? Okay. But that was really cool. You know, it, it was it actually worked out one. really, really well. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, new project. That was a children's movie. Yeah, yeah okay. definitely mm. a children's movie. Yeah, yeah, adults watching it would feel a little bit bored. Okay, yeah, but they do that now, don't they? They have they have like a children's movie, and then they put adult jokes in there to keep the adults pacified. Yeah, this one did the children. Yeah, this one didn't do that. No, I like, don't know no. much about Australia anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but even when I was writing the title of this Periscope, I was just confirming, is this the Australian flag? And you were saying, oh, I don't really recognise it. And I was like, oh, okay. It, yeah, um, it's, it's a New Zealand problem. It's, yeah. New, New Zealand's very close to the Australian flag. Yeah. And then... Uh, but then I, that neatly just dives into my next topic. And it's like, how often do you go back to Australia? Where do Once you go in Australia? Once or twice a year. Okay. Um, my father has Parkinson's now. Well, okay, sorry, well I wouldn't yeah. use the word now, but it's getting worse. Um, so we've got to try and get back a little bit more often. Um, the last couple of years have been really nice because the Queensland Tourism Department flew me back to, to uh, film a couple of commercials for them. So we were able to get free tickets back to Australia and go back and see my family. So do you have a presence in Australia as well? 
like a sum of whatever you've earned La- as the, a, the beginning as a, of last the year there was a, a, a media group in Hong Kong and the target audience is the young people of Hong Kong and they, they gave me this big singing award the most popular male vocalist in Hong Kong okay <laughs> I'm the first guy in history to get these awards without ever having ever produced an album anyways <laughs> um, they gave me this award and the South China Morning Post in Hong Kong which is an English newspaper I wrote about it and then the news organizations in Australia read the South China Morning Post and they called me up from Australia and ended up in the Channel 7 News in Queensland and my and then the Channel 7 went up and interviewed my parents and they were on the news and it was they were just really really happy so presence yeah most people don't know who I am and that's okay uh, you said you go back once or, once twice, or twice, a twice a year once or twice each year the um, only place I go to is Gympie Really? Just Gimpy? Yeah. Okay. Why? Why just Gimpy? Because I live here, so I don't see my parents except for FaceTime conversations. And so if I go back to Australia and I have limited time, I'm only going to one place. Okay. I'm Bowles, going back home. Bowles is asking, uh, someone in the Periscope is asking, do you miss anything about Australia? Mm, I grew up in the countryside, <clears throat> um, and I literally grew up in the bush. So the only thing I miss is the... The, the feel of the air, the smell of the forest, the crunching of the leaves when you're walking. Uh, I walk barefoot everywhere, even in the forest. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, even in Hong Kong, I walk barefoot. That's good for grounding. Yeah, somebody said that. Mm. Um, I'm very grounded. <laughs> so, because that, there's a different feel. There's... The, the sunlight and the, the dryness of the air, because in Hong Kong we're not dry, we're, we're pretty, except in winter time for a couple of months we're really dry, but otherwise we're pretty humid. Um, and then, you know, the gum trees and, and the sounds of the birds, um, that's what I miss when, I, you know, when I'm here. And you go back and you walk around the bush again and you get that feeling back again. Okay. But nothing else, really. What about the feeling of, like, potentially dying at any moment because of the crocodiles, the black widow spiders, the snakes, the sharks, the... It's really the, amazing the killer that trees. very, very few people mm. actually die from... We don't have black widows, do we? No, we have funnel webs. They're even worse. Um, yeah, there's, there's multiple varieties of funnel web spiders, and actually, they actually tunnel into the ground. They have funnels in the ground. Um, but there's one variety that lives in the trees... Uh, if they if they sting you, you're you're dead in less than a minute. So don't bother calling for an ambulance. But you know, very 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 few people die from a spider bite, right? right. We have the most dangerous spiders in the world, and very in the snakes. Most snakes are not hostile; they would rather run away than attack you, um, unless they're trapped. <clears throat> um, and then sharks. There's this Stephen Stephen Fry program in England. And they were talking about the, the the natural world, and more people die from getting getting butted by a goat each year than people who are, are, are bitten by a shark. So you know, the only thing I've heard about sharks is that you don't want to be wearing a black diving suit yeah. because they think you're a seal. Yeah, they think you're food. Okay. Otherwise, it's not that bad. There's a there's a Reddit thread. You know Reddit, the website, yeah. and it's called uh, it's called Watch People Die. Oh, that's and, nice. And uh, you can you can go there and you can like. There's a discussion always about how like how dangerous Australia is, and it just looks like 
anything can kill you. Oh no, it's not uh, watch people die. It's uh, anim- uh, nature is brutal, and it shows you what nature is doing to each other in Australia. And everyone's like, I'm not going to Australia ever because it seems like you're just going to get murdered by. But that sounds like America. <laughs> with the, the, the machine the guns. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, we'll leave that. We'll leave that. But seriously, in Hong Kong, we're really scared of going to America now. Yeah. Because the Chinese, any time, any well. any time, any place, somebody's going to pull out a machine gun. I mean, it's 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 really terrifying. There are legitimate fears. I was reading from rich mainlanders who want to send their children to America. Yeah. And they're, they're concerned about the protests. And then there was an abduction of a Chinese woman who was brutally murdered and raped. And that made a big deal. The rape right before the murder? Or no, uh, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> it's dark. <laughs> but these, these concerns have exacerbated the problem. And the Chinese are like, well, should we go to America? Should we send our daughters there or, or sons there? At the same time as... It's like a business person I was talking to in China. And he said, OK, the Communist Party um, has a control of a lot, a lot of things. But in China, you are relatively safe. Well, it is one of the safest places. It's one on the of the planet. safest places on the planet. So you, you can go out at night time w- without fear of getting stabbed or mm. shot at or anything like that. I read um, somewhere six people mm-hmm. out of a million die. Yeah, that's the potential. Yeah, that's the statistic. So yeah, um, yeah. So I wanted to pick your brain specifically about something about Gimpy, uh, because I recently travelled and I went to Blackpool. Uh, Blackpool? Yeah, Blackpool. It's where in my Sydney? family is. No, no, Blackpool in the UK. Oh, okay, I didn't know sorry. there was a Blackpool in Sydney. There is, yeah. But in Blackpool, we have the world's biggest disco ball. And as I was doing my research about Gimpy, Gimpy at one point had the world's biggest pineapple. And yep. then they dismantled it, and there's another one, but it's at the same height. It was there for a long time. Yeah, it's, uh, if I, I grew up with that pineapple. It's 52 I feet high. I never went into it. Right. Because it had a cir- really circular out. staircase in the middle, and you, you went up to the top, and you were able to look out. <laughs> Um, but it was right next to the highway. It was next to a petrol station. We say petrol station. Um, so, you know, for how many years was I in Gympie? I left in 1980. So I was there for 15 years, but I never went into the pineapple. We, we went past it all the time, but never went in. It was for tourists. Uh, but this leads me on to the, uh, the, this thing called Australia's Big Things. Yeah, there's, there's a whole a Wikipedia cow. list of all the big things that exist in Australia. So it's like a thing you can do and take pictures inside. So, for example, there's like a big red elephant. These are just a few. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Big peanut, the big paperclip. Peanut is in Kingaroy? King Neptune. I don't which know. Which is where my sister lives now, you see. King Neptune. And there's something called the big stubby, which I thought was hilarious because stubby means something else. But we, in, in Australia, stubby means a sh- Short bottle yeah. of beer, yeah. But in England, but in the UK, stubby means something else. Okay, something phallic. All right, <laughs> we got it. <laughs> I have the biggest rocking horse. Uh, Bowl says on the periscope. In your city, <clears throat> but how did that come about? Do you know, like in what, Australia, the pineapple? no, to have what, big things? the pineapple and the big things. You have, you've got to have something to draw the tourism crowd. Right, and it's very easy just to say let's just make a big Ned Kelly, which they do have, like a Ned Kelly, and everyone goes to the Ned Kelly. Well, you've got to try and attract the kids. You know, they, when when families go on vacation, you've got to attract the kids. So it's a big pineapple, a big peanut, and a, it's always these big things. We have a big cow. We all, we also have a pub, um, and it was the design was taken out of a cartoon, out of a newspaper cartoon, and it's not square. It's it's all over the place. It's really amazing. Um, they're renovating it at the moment. There was some argument with the original author, the son 
of the author of the newspaper clipping and he wanted more money mm-hmm. for their, you know, the right to use his design in their pub. Mm-hmm. And so they had to make, they had to make uh, alterations to get around the problem. Um, but, you know, that's really amazing building, really mm-hmm. amazing. They still have a big pineapple, it's just not in Gympie anymore. Yeah, it's somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. it's down. It's, it's in. The, it's on the um, Sunshine Coast. So everybody's heard of the Gold Coast, but in, in Australia, in Queensland, we also have the Sunshine Coast, which has numerous super beautiful beaches. Is that um, in the north or in the south? Between just leaving Brisbane and going north, that whole stretch is Sunshine Coast. Okay. So the Gold Coast is below Brisbane, um, but above Brisbane is the Sunshine Coast. Uh, I've met some other performers, like jazz artists and. Uh, creative types in Hong Kong and if the topic if the topic ventures towards China they will speak about it off air and I and so honor, it struck yeah. me that last time you were pretty much up front and you said like you're very selective um, but do you ever feel like you, you're, if you say something you are going to be at a, there are there at are a, certain political topics um, with government like Beijing the Hong Kong government not such a problem um, but the Beijing government, you don't want to criticize them. Mm. Um, at the same time, it's really hard to just totally criticize them anyway because they're in charge of, what is it, 13 billion people? Uh, 1.3 billion? And you've got to keep law and order and keep everything running and then you have all these different officials with their own agendas and... Um, so it's an extremely complicated job. I won't praise them, but I won't criticize them either. Because, um, I mean, for, for example, I, I read international newspapers and you see the Americans complaining about if they want to get into the Chinese market, they have to give up their trade secrets or they have to, they have to join 49% partnership companies. And then they're criticizing the Beijing government and they're criticizing the American government for allowing it to happen. but. In the end, it's the American companies who agree yeah. to the demands, and so from the Chinese perspective, they're doing it right because you know they want to get the most they can out of these partnerships. From the American perspective, they're doing it wrong, but then they're the Americans who are agreeing to the demands. I mean, you don't need the Chinese market, but if you want the money from the Chinese market, then you give up these, you give up these um, things. So they're using China as the scapegoat. Well, the, the inadequacies or poor performance or whatever metric that. No, there is there is a there is a big problem mm-hmm. if you have a corporation that goes into China to try and make money. You got almost zero chance of walking out of China with any money. Um, the system's not set up to to let profits leave China. Um, so it'd be like a carrot on a stick. They'll 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 say, yeah, it's a big market. You're going to make lots of money. But when you get in there and the partnerships are all signed up and everything else. Um, you're not going to get a lot of money out of China. Mm-hmm. It, some things are changing. So the the Chinese, um, what is it? The People's Congress. What do they call it? The People's Congress. Congress. So they've just agreed to allow financial institutions to actually inside China own 100% of hedge funds, um, to own 51% of uh, different uh, investment corporations, and. Um, I don't know. I would be really careful if I was a financial institution because in, in Hong Kong they have a lot of bad debt. I'm oh, sorry, in, in China. And I think they're trying to get the international finance institutions into the Chinese market to provide more liquidity. I hate the word liquidity. I, I think it's evil. But, um, I, I don't even understand, I don't understand anything about finances. Um, 
Yeah, I just... So there's no follow-up questions, by the way. Uh, so, you know, um, I think they're trying to get more money into the Chinese market and more people to lend money because if, if the whole economy is slowing down, they need businesses to be able to borrow money to expand their businesses and keep employing people and keep everybody happy. And if the local banks and the state-owned banks are not lending money, they've got to find somebody else to lend the money. Mm -hmm. And so they're making it more attractive for the international institutions to go into China to do business. Right. So it's at the moment, it's only the financial institutions who can go in and own 100% of, the, of their business. But I would be really careful because you know, if you're in a country that's not your own and you lend money to somebody with a signed contract but you don't have control over the courts or the judges or anything else, there's no guarantee you'll get your money back. Right. So... The whole thing is that you know, the Americans, you know, they want to make money out of the Chinese market, and then they're the ones who are agreeing to the to the terms and conditions. So why should they complain after they've agreed to the terms and conditions? <laughs> Just don't sign the contracts. Don't go into China. Uh, Tesla actually has. Yeah, they're building a plant. They're building a plant, and it's one hundred percent owned by Tesla. I don't know how they did that, but um, in China, because they are trying to solve the pollution problem, but it's going to take twenty years. Because um, yeah, it's too complicated. Too many people are living off coal, and you know, keeping their houses warm with coal, mm -hmm. um, and and power generation. A lot of it is coal generated, so it's really really complicated. But um, electric cars are a big big part of China's future because it'll cut down on the. Um, except you still need to generate electricity to charge the cars, right? Yeah. And they're burning coal to make the electricity. So, but it, but then you can put you know if you really want to do it well you you require them to put on really nice catalytic converters and and yeah. keep all of the air coming out of the 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 uh electric generators you know keeping it really clean because mm -hmm. in china 10 years ago they were talking about how these these companies were turning off the catalytic converters at night time when people couldn't see the smoke coming out of the chimneys oh it's terrible <laughs> but this idea of white appropriation or cultural appropriation of uh, say Japanese movies like Ghost in the Shell and they put Scarlett Johansson in the title role instead of a Japanese actor or Matt Damon goes to China and it's a joint production um, did you follow any of this outcry or understand any of this that's going on and thought I've seen a couple of them there was one complaint about the movie made in Hawaii right, I don't and, know about that movie um, something about the Navy and aeroplanes and something and the, the main actress in the original story is a native Hawaiian and then they found a, a white actress to do the role instead, and so that was a big problem. Was that Hawaii Five O remake or something? No, 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 no. No, because uh, there was two Asians that quit, cancelled their contracts. Really? With that, yeah, because they weren't giving them enough uh, screen time or something. Maybe that's something else, but that's another issue that was brought up during this whole idea of like you're the, taking away Asian. Yeah, the Japanese guy in Hawaii Five O mm. quit because he'd been there for six or seven years and he had enough. As right. in, he wanted to do that. That guy's super smart, the Japanese guy who used to be in Heroes. I don't know. Oh, no, he's really smart. He's a clever guy. He's a real clever cookie. Um, and he he's doing so many things other than just being an actor. He's really amazing. Right. But um, mm, the thing about... So in, in a, some of the Hollywood companies are trying to make movies that apply to the maximum number of people. And so they need the A-list American actors. Um, even if the story takes place in China and there shouldn't be any Caucasians around, they've got to put one or two in there yeah. to keep the American audience interested. 
and then they then they and they, they like to get one super actor from Korea, one from Japan, a couple from China. They need a couple from China because if they want to film in China, they've got to have some Chinese people in them. Um, it's a legal thing, isn't it? It's a legal thing, but it's also they want to you know attract the biggest audience possible. So there's not really much you can do about it. It's um, a few years ago somebody else was talking about it and even today with the you know the markets being so big now but the market for actors is actually getting smaller right. and these big international productions that are getting made in China they're still getting the same A-list actors from Hollywood to take the leading roles and you say so you've got this group of 50 actors who are doing all these movies and there are very very few new actors uh, getting roles in these movies um, if you're local and you're a, a second tier actor it's going to be almost impossible to get promoted to first tier you're either there or you're not okay do you yeah. think but the uh, do you think the criticism against say Ghost in the Shell was valid I saw the movie and I can't remember it I'm getting old the, the Scarlett Johansson version of the yeah. movie yeah right okay what was the she was playing a cyborg that was but it's been traditionally heralded as like a this is a Japanese piece of uh, culture and it's an intrinsic story to Japanese it's innate to Japanese culture and then you but did they move the did they move the um, the location of the story is it no, still in Japan it's well it, in, in the actual original anime it's a city that's modeled around Hong Kong and that's why they filmed it in Hong Kong so the city and location didn't really change because they wanted to sort of stay truthful for yeah the, but Hong Kong is international you can have anybody you want yeah, but no, it was more like as a backdrop. Do you know the signs and the neon of old Hong Kong? They wanted to keep that, so they went back here to film on location, but then they just changed the major two characters, Scarlett Hansen's character and then one guy from Game of Thrones. I'm starting to remember the movie now. At the <laughs> end, one of her friends was also a cyborg, and they were almost dying. They, they were getting close to dying completely, and there, there was explosions and this big super robot guy, with, and then the leader of the, of the uh, company that was controlling them was inside the robot or controlling it and trying to shoot him down. Okay, that's the one, right? Because um, I remember the, the 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 final location was actually in the middle of Causeway Bay. It looked like one of our most famous um, land. There is um, a scene where they cross over. You know, the famous yellow lines. Yeah, where the Apple's always got the permanent poster. Really? Oh, it's Sogo. Yeah, yeah in yeah. Sogo, because we have a circular pedestrian bridge. Oh, um, yeah, 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 that yeah. Well, yeah. There's the circular pedestrian bridge above the tramway, um, right. and that's where the explosion was. Oh, so, okay. yeah, but she doesn't have to be Japanese. Not in that story. Hong no, Kong's, but there's Hong the Kong argument is, that you this need... This is future, and Hong Kong is international. And yeah, but the argument was, well, people in the West were saying the argument is, well, we know who Scarlett Johansson is, so the, the film is going to make more money. Yeah. If we put in a Japanese actress, nobody's going to know who it is. Yeah, but this chicken and egg scenario because if you don't promote Japanese actors and actresses or whatever you want to call yeah, them, yeah, but companies don't want to invest in promoting somebody. They want to invest in somebody who's already been promoted. The current situation for actors and especially for singers, it's really desperate right now. Right. Because, for example, in Hong Kong, we used to have ATV one of our TV stations and then we had TVB another TV station then we had a government TV station um, but they had to share airtime on the other two stations so you had three stations and then radio stations you had maybe four or five alright so 20 years ago if you had 
an actor who wanted to become famous in Hong Kong, he just went to TVB. And everybody was watching TVB. And he, if he did a good job, and if TVB liked him and put him in more roles, he was going to become famous. Okay, and then if you're a singer at the time, you performed at TVB, you didn't perform at ATV because they didn't like each other, but you got a lot of airtime from TVB, and then you uh, had arrangements with the radio stations, and there are only four or five of them, and so everywhere you went, you were hearing this song on the radio, and so you were able to become popular or famous. Today, it's a totally different story. There's no four or five TV stations. There's no four or five radio stations. There are literally a million online video um, channels or... or YouTube channels, or, or, like that. But in, in, even in China, we have Yoku and we have all of these different places where you can watch video and film. And so if you're a new actor and you want to become famous, there's no one place that you can go to to promote yourself. If you're a singer... Nobody's listening to the radio anymore, yeah. except for the van drivers and the taxi drivers. Nobody else is listening to, to radio. So if you're a singer and you've got a new song and uh, you're not really famous yet, how are you going to get it out there? It's almost impossible. You want to choose Facebook and, and pay Facebook some money and yeah. hope that the random selection of audience will actually like your song. And they're only going to hear it once, not five times every day you know, for two weeks. So today, to go from ground level to become a famous person, if you're an actor, or especially if you're a singer, it's, it's practically impossible. It's really, really, really hard. There are, if you're promoting an artist, where do you promote them? Which platform do you choose to put all your money? And do you choose one platform or do you, or, or do you choose 10? How much money do you have to promote this artist? So today, it's really, really hard to, to create a new star. So in the case of Ghost in the Shell, do you think the Japanese should have just created their own movie and tried to promote that? Yeah, but, but people outside of Japan... You'll only get the hardcore geeks watching Japanese movies because they'll only convert it. You'll get, you'll get what they do with The Departed. You'll get Michael, uh, Scorsese doing yeah. his own version maybe and then still there's no there's no Asian representation I, I'm, I'm watching a lot of Korean television at the moment the, the writers are amazing apparently in Korea the thing that comes before the actors is the scriptwriter. he's actually more important than the actors and the actors are actually trying to get work with certain scriptwriters because okay. they're just so talented and they're coming up with these stories that nobody else can imagine um, I've just finished watching a series about a cartoon author and his cartoon turned into a gateway to an alternative universe and there was they were able to uh, traverse across the two universes um, through the cartoon uh, it was really really well made and, and just totally new I mean nobody else has thought of anything even close to the concept is this on Netflix or a terrestrial it's online content? actually there's a, a, a there's at least one the name of the series yeah I think it's called W Two Worlds. W Two Worlds. Yeah. Okay. So it's Korean, and then they've got the English mm. subtitles. The, the thing is, it's an interesting story. It's a different culture. So while you're watching the series, you will pick up things that matter to Koreans, right? And the same thing with Japan. If if you were watching a, Jap a, a Japanese TV series, um, you would be able to get insights into the culture because they they focus on the things that matter to them. 
And I don't actually mind reading subtitles while I'm listening to these other languages. I actually like the Asian languages, you know, Korean and Japanese. I actually like them. Um, one thing I have discovered is you actually have to focus. You have to pay attention to the series because if you don't focus, you can't see the subtitles yeah. and you, can't, you don't know what's going on. You know, when, when we talk, if we, talk, we haven't talked really about it, but when you uh, talk about consumptive habits, I find that I'm doing something on YouTube and I'm watching YouTube at the same time. And then it throws me out when I switch to a documentary and it's based in Japan. And I'm like, oh, I can't wash the dishes while I'm listening to this. No, you can just go like that. Just no, flick across. I've actually got to pay attention to the subtitles. Yeah. So I just watch it later. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thank you for your time uh, once again, Gregory. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And this will be on YouTube. Did you notice people walking past? Because like, we're in a cafe. What am I, yeah. Did you notice like people were walking past and like, this Gregory Rivers obviously the same in Chinese, the Chinese name. Did you catch it? No, sometimes, I was watching the camera. Okay. Sometimes, uh, as we've been talking, there are people just carrying luggages and luggage, sorry, and they're eyeballing you and me. Luggages, new word. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I, I pick it up from the Chinese here. They pluralize everything, don't they? Or, did I say Asian man in an Asian market? Uh, he's, he's, fuck. This is my most popular video on YouTube. It's about this man, fuck, got a twitch. Would you believe that this is my, would you believe that this is my,